I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep, the podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode, where we watched Wes Anderson's classic, Rushmore. This was the first part in our two-week series called Staff Picks. This was Mitchell's pick for a movie that I, Matthew, have never seen. We hope you enjoyed today's talk on all things Wes Anderson and Rushmore. Now let's cut to our conversation already in progress. Let's jump in, sleepyheads. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it's Wes Anderson's birthday today. I know. What a great coincidence. Wes Anderson was all over my news feeds today, which is a great like filmmaker to... There's something to it. What's us watching Rushmore? Yeah. Yeah, The universe is guiding our decision. Uh, I was going to say there's something uh, extra special about it being Wes Anderson. and, And because all of the stills from his movies are like just so nice to look at. <laughs> just so perfect. <laughs> so perfectly composed. It was just like a lot of nice film stills today. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was nice. I enjoyed that. Do you want to get right into it or do you have anything else to say? No, let's just get into it. Okay. I was going to say, I, I love the early Wes in this movie. Uh, say more about that. Well, it's just not, he hasn't, you know, fully come into, he hasn't grown his long hair out yet. It's, I watched an interview with him. It's oh, still like kind of spiked up. Okay. I'm like, hey, he's not fully. What, what is he yet. wearing though? Oh uh, yeah. He is wearing the tweed blazer yeah. and you know, whatever, uh, it's, ins- but. it's so hilarious to like, look at set photos of any of his movies. And there's this man, this like slight man in tweed suits like sitting, sitting like Max Fisher sits on that go kart. Yeah. <laughs> he is his own character. Yeah, and he talks just like all of his characters. Yeah. he, you know, he's the um, the weasel in Fantastic Mr. Fox, that the mm. real estate agent. Okay, yeah, that shows the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, 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 I thought that character was Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, I thought that character was a Wilson brother. But Jason like, Jason Schwartzman is in that movie, right? Yeah, yeah. He's in all of them. Yeah, he he's the, he's the he's the little fox. Oh, Ash. that's right, that's right. It's funny how all these actors' voices are pretty similar. I know. <laughs> he's like, eh, you talk like me. <laughs> Apparently, they auditioned eighteen hundred kids. Eighteen hundred kids for for who? For Max? For, yeah. And then Max, he didn't like even before he auditioned. He's like, that's it. Thirty seconds of talking to him. He's like, I like this guy. Because this was like. Jason Schwartzman kind of, I mean, where does this fall in his filmography? Yeah, it's his first movie. It's his first movie. Okay. Yeah. It is quite a debut then. He's so good. He is so good. I I, I mean, we could start with the Jason Schwartzman performance. Well, All right. well, let's start with, like, okay, first, what Wes Anderson movies have you seen? Yeah, let me pull up the... Because you said last episode that... That's a gap in your mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. your. So this was this was uh, for those who didn't listen to last week's podcast. This is our uh, brother movie swap staff picks staff picks, where uh, this week Mitchell picked the movie uh, one that I've never seen, and then for next week's movie I'm picking one that I believe he's never seen, and we'll be watching that for the pod. So I have seen Isle of Dogs. We're going backwards chronologically. 
Um, I have seen Isle of Dogs, Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and now Rushmore. Wow. So I could have picked Royal Tenenbaums. You could have picked Royal Tenenbaums, Life Aquatic, and the Darjeeling Limited. So my first Wes Anderson movie is Fantastic Mr. Fox. I was the right, we were probably the right age for that when it hit. It being kind of this odd, um, kind of animated, the stop motion thing. Yeah. Um, I know that the stop motion got me in the theater, but the the sense of humor immediately hooked me. Where I, where yeah. I was like, now, now what is this? Yeah. No, I mean, and I still think that movie's incredible. Oh, it, it's, a, it's, it's top five all time for me. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's easily the movie. I know that people are usually surprised when I say that because a lot of people, especially if you haven't seen it, it's kind of viewed as just a kid's movie, mm-hmm. you know, stop, stop motion, claymation, whatever. But uh, it is consistently the movie that I show people mm-hmm. the most often. Yeah. And it's easily the movie I've seen the most times. Yeah. Maybe rivaled by like Jurassic Park or something. But I think it's Fantastic Mr. Fox. Wow. It's, it, yeah, it just, it's so exactly my sense of humor for a movie. And it's one of the, like, the art direction animation style is so endlessly beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to watch. And it's short. Uh, it's short and tight. That, I mean, I, I feel, and, I feel and like that's true of most the cast, of his stuff. And, and the cast is ridiculous, yeah. as with the rest of his stuff as well. Yes. Yeah. Wes Anderson has this company of people that will do anything with him well and even for rushmore i heard that how they got bill murray was he read the script and was like i'll do it for free Mm. i just love this writing so much wow and i wonder what that would have been like in 1998 because i don't have a grid for movies coming out well i was gonna say uh this that was a big deal for bill murray because that ended up ushering in this kind of era of his career where he did like independent movies you know obviously the big one that Mm. people think about is lost in translation um right which is which is like iconic bill murray and also slight relation jason schwartzman yes and um yeah sofia coppola their cousins um and so there's there's a connection there but this yeah the rushmore um really because then he's in the follow-up Wes Anderson's follow-up Royal Tenenbaums. He's in Lost in Translation. And he just does a lot of the Wes Anderson stuff. Um, and and so that is this kind of really important aspect of like late-stage Bill Murray independent movie, you know, quirky comedy guy. Um, yeah. That like... Kind of, kind of dramas. Yeah. And I think... Comedy dramas. I think that's what a lot of people maybe our age think about Bill Murray. Yeah. Um, Less for his comedy, I mean, I, like straight up comedy. Yeah, I mean, stuff like Ghostbusters is always going to be there, but that's not something that's so formative for me. I'm a little young. I, mean, I watched it as a kid, but like less Caddyshack, less. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Bob? Uh, what about even Bob though is that's really good. <laughs> I know. What about Bob's amazing? But that's not my first thought when I think. Yeah, of Bill Murray. when I think of Bill Murray, I think about the stuff that he's done since Rushmore and since, and I don't, yeah. and I'm not thinking about the Garfield movies. Right. <laughs> the sequel a tale of two kitties okay (laughs) yeah but that's an interesting uh like point for him yeah i didn't didn't think because yeah 1998 when i think about other movies coming out at that time or that era 
of getting something like Rushmore sent to you. Yeah. And kind of being a, like taken aback by the writing. I gotta say though, I just, just realized this. I can't believe it. For most of my life, the first thing I think about when I think about Bill Murray is obviously Space Jam. Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> which we now have a sequel coming. Which, which, oof. Which, and I will say on that, like, we were of the right age to see Space Jam and not know who Bill Murray was, and the movie makes it. He plays himself in that movie, and like it was a big deal. And I don't like. I don't know why I thought that was funny. It's so but... weird that he's in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's a big basketball fan. Maybe. He lives in Charlotte, which is, I think, where Jordan's from. Maybe. I mean, maybe he really did play a lot of golf with Michael Jordan. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure people appreciate us just... Uh-huh. Yeah. Just, just uh, uh, shouting to the void right now. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I... My big blind spot with the Wes Anderson stuff is the live action. Um, kind of the t- the 2000s. Royal Tenenbaums. And obviously Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, Life Aquatic, Dreadly Dreaming Limited. Um, his kind of like blowing up time. Yes. I mean... Like I feel like right now he's in his arrived and he's a masterful. That, that's how I feel. He's at that late, uh, not late stage, but he's at the stage of his career. He's recognized as a master of the of the craft of the medium, and he yeah. can basically do what he wants. And I feel like that right. early two thousands period was him um, gaining reputation and momentum, and yeah. um, and really defining the Wes Anderson style. Uh, because and I think Rushmore, like you said, is the beginnings of it. There are there right. are moments in this movie. There are shots in this movie. We'll talk about it in our segments. But there are shots in this movie where I look at it and say, "That is so quintessentially a Wes Anderson Anderson shot," but right. that doesn't infect the whole movie uh, right. in, in the way that like that's expressed in like Grand Budapest, Grand Budapest Hotel, which is which is so aggressively his style of every moment and every frame yeah and and that's an interesting movie what do you think about that movie um well as far as live action mm-hmm. it, it's it like it's almost a blend between some of his live action and and stop motion and i mean there's mm-hmm. literal like uh uh what's it called the little model buildings the mod the miniatures yeah miniatures yeah. thank you uh, of like the hotel or the mountain range or whatever, or like the the skiing scene, he uses some of that, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of pushing more and more to this like um, like storybook style, yeah, you know. But it, it's that movie uh, I've only seen it a couple of times. It's actually not one of my favorites of his, but it, it's like it that his style of wide center frame mm-hmm. symmetry, mm-hmm. pastel-y colors. Um, it, it's so, uh, it's weird to call that aggressive, but it's so present in every moment yeah. that it's like almost distracting. It's not, but like, you're just thinking about it a lot more, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. I think it's a masterpiece and, and, and I, and I feel like that I can say that, but also it's not something I've returned to time and time again. That's why it's not one of my top for him mm-hmm. because there's others that I return to more often. Yeah, I guess like Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> but I would Mr. also Fox, watch Moonrise Kingdom again. Moonrise Kingdom is so easy to put on. Yeah, there's just a, a lightness to that. Where and yeah. and um, Grand Budapest is just. I mean, 
every inch there's of a, that movie. There's an epicness to that movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there's a like such a sense of scale, and the story is bigger that you feel like you can't just put it on. Yeah, yeah. So watching Rushmore was great, and definitely kind of made me want to go back through the um, that period of Wes Anderson movies. Um, mm-hmm. That's I I I don't know why I've never seen them. I just haven't. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're just harder to kind of come come across. They're not big on streamers or what, but. Um, yeah, those are, I, I'm really looking forward to getting in, into those over, I don't know, the next year or so. Yeah, we should watch, uh, we should just turn this into a Wes Anderson pod, mm. watch Darjeeling Limited next, because that's three brothers trying to reconnect. <laughs> we can, Be good for you us. know, we can just hit, hit one every couple of months until the French Dispatch comes out. <laughs> yes. And then we can have power ranking Wes Anderson full pod. Yes. Yes. All right. This if there's a good response to this. That's episode, what we should do. When that comes out, we'll do a full Wes Anderson episode. We'll talk about all, all right. of the movies. I love watch it. Watch them all. I love it. Uh, it's yeah. currently stated release date sometime in 2021. <laughs> and I'm gonna see it in a theater because I just got my second dose. Oh, probably shouldn't that's say anything. Right. I'm not gonna say the name of uh, the the thing that's taking over the world because apparently that affects algorithms. Have you heard? Oh, about this? didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, so I'm not going to say that. Are we, but, are, we a, are we allowed to say the V word? I don't know. Oh. I just know that I got my second dose, and I know you have too, and so officially you and me can go to a movie theater. Yes, and we are very pro both doses. Yeah. This is a pro, pro both dose pod. Yeah, so okay, so we will definitely do a French Dispatch episode this year, 2021. I'm very excited for that. But in the meantime, Rushmore. Back to Rushmore. Mitchell, why don't you introduce Rushmore to us? This was something you picked. Why is it something you picked, and what does this movie mean to you? Um, I, th- you know, I I think that this was my first Wes Anderson after Fantastic Mr. Fox because I saw that in high school and was put on to Wes Anderson in general. Mm-hmm. And then um, I don't know how, but me and one of my best friends, Matt Midtoon, um, famous on this pod, mm-hmm. brought up many times. Uh, He's a listener. He's a sleepyhead. Confirm. <laughs> um, we we came across this movie and we would have like Friday night movie nights yeah. at his at his place, and um, maybe this was like a Dimple Records find, but we we found this and put it on, and I think one special memory of just finding a good movie with a friend, but yeah, like what stuck out about it to me was the same thing with Fantastic Mr. Fox in that this writing I so wasn't used to mm. from typical movie fare. Or, or I, I don't know, it's like a comedy drama, but I, like, the, there's a tightness, a um, specificity to the sense of humor. There's, there's like, uh, all, all, all these... He's really good at like snapshot moments that move very quickly. Yes. And express a lot of humor and sadness at the same time. Yeah. Like one of my favorite moments in Rushmore is when Bill Murray's character is driving with his two sons <laughs> who are obnoxious twin brothers who are just the worst and they're making fun of him in the car. I forget what they say to him. I they're like what what are you a nerd or something? And they're just driving and all of a sudden he like reaches back oh, and tries yeah, choking yeah, one yeah. of them. And then it cuts so fast, but it's like this movie's peppered with so many moments like that. That, oh, or another quick example, another flash in the pan is the montage of uh, Max Fisher and his, his all of his, his clubs, his extracurriculars. Yeah, yeah, and one of them is like a 
um, dodgeball team. Yeah. And like he, he's like got the ball and he's looking around and he just nails someone straight on. And yeah. He's, and then he points to him. He says, "You, you're out that way." <laughs> and it's like, I, I I don't even know what it is that what what itch it's scratching for me of um, humor. But these like flash in the pan moments. It's, it's, I, that, I, I really find I, I like this one little detail in that where it's like, and I can't remember the order. Um, it's like it's obvious that kid is out because he just well, nailed yeah. him. Like yeah. so, but he does make a big point of him pointing <laughs> dramatically. Like we're all pausing. You, you're out. Okay, so I'll speak to that moment because I think that's a really like just a great moment of characterization. Like that is so Max Fisher to mm-hmm. be calling out the rules of dodgeball and, and it's not it's not called dodgeball. It's the it's rules the, the bombardment society or something oh right right and uh and and like everybody knows what's happening but it's max fisher it has to constantly be the person who is in charge and enforcing and in, and informing uh right. one of the moments that i really liked was and i can't remember the order it comes in but you see that max is uh the head of the calligraphy association mm-hmm. and then and you can see his style of calligraphy and then like it cuts to um him uh it cuts to like a sign of the kung fu club with his calligraphy oh, calligraphy is like in the rest of the oh, movie yeah his calligraphy is every in every inch of the movie uh, but it like cuts to the next club and they are using him to make the signs and also he is in that club because of course he is right. and and it's this perfect like very rapid fire we're going to set you up with a joke that in and of itself is funny. It's odd that this kid is in a calligraphy club. And then the, 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 but then it sets you up for the even bigger kind of just quick release of, and the Kung Fu club uses him. And also he's in it. Like, it's just a very, that that's really good comedy. That's smart, very quick writing. And, right. and uh, the way that Wes Anderson portrays this, and this is typical in his movies is it's very visual. It's very montage. Right. It's very quick cuts, quick editing. And and so as as much as you've already commented on the dialogue in his movies, you just kind of mentioned that um, right. it's also his kind of cinematic dialogue and style um, right. that is so unique to him. So it's both the way the characters actually speak to one another in their in his movies, but also the the unique uh, it's the, the unique language of Wes Anderson's editing and uh, his visual language that he's created across these movies. Uh, right. that, that is so present here. And, and in a way that I was really not expecting, I was kind of right. coming into this. I've never seen Rushmore before. I've, I've basically only seen the Wes Anderson stuff of the last 10 years. And so I know like very uh, distilled Wes Anderson style. I know his style when he has all the money and you know freedom of like a Grand Budapest Hotel. And so I was, but I was not expecting it. I was expecting this to be an early movie, maybe some of the stylistic stuff, but not that much of it. And, you know, part of that is, um, you know, filmmakers, I think they develop that over time. And also when they're young, they, they, sometimes they, they, I don't, I don't know if they don't feel as free to take some of these risks or they don't have the reputation that allows them to do that. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think about like even, um, Tarantino's progression from Reservoir Dogs to Pulp Fiction is like right. Reservoir Dogs has some of those elements, a little bit of the swap timeline and that kind of a thing, but it's very muted. It's very toned down uh, compared to what is about to be unleashed in his next movie. Right, and yeah. and and it, in that certainly 
is true of Rushmore. It's like a toned down version of Wes Anderson, but it's still him. There, there is right. no doubt that it is absolutely 100% in almost every way. The things, even just what he's telling his story about, you know, he's really interested in like, yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that because there's, there's three characters, or there's probably a lot, but right off the bat, off the top of my head that I remember, there's these characters or um, like um, occupations that he then plays with in other movies, mm-hmm. like um, like uh, Bill Murray's character. All right, here we go. Me not remembering character Bloom. names. Bloom. Bloom, uh, and what's the teacher's name? Miss um, Cross, Rosemary Cross, Herman Bloom. Yes. So Miss Cross and uh, wait, what's his last name? Bloom. No, what's his first name? Sorry, Herman. Herman <laughs> Bloom. Herman. <laughs> um, when Miss Cross and Herman are playing tennis, and and then like mm. he, he subs in, and Max subs basically into his seat on the side with Miss mm-hmm. Cross, mm-hmm. who they're both in love with. Mm-hmm. But um, the shot is so reminiscent of Royal Tenenbaums, which one of the the children in that movie is a professional tennis player. Um, mm. But it feels like a little, like, okay, he's thinking about that. Yes, you know? yes. And then even him as a, like, bellhop, and he's uh, yes. carrying the bees in to... Uh, Bloom's Herald. hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. But there's that... I don't... I actually don't know if it's the same... Is that that moment in that slow-mo where he's coming out of the elevator? Yeah, yeah and he picks yeah. up the beekeeper box. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's great. Yeah, but that that little shot too. I'm like, oh, Grand Budapest. Yeah, like almost. Yes. The, it's the same outfit, not the same colors, but the same yes. outfit. You know. Yes. And then last one, the coach, one of the coaches for uh, Rushmore High School, who's got the like handlebar mustache, mm-hmm. he, and he's got the the whistle and polo, but uh-huh. he he looks and sounds like uh, the like white weasel that's in Fantastic Mr. Mm-hmm. Fox. That's mm-hmm. like I think played by Owen Wilson. He's got he's got the they're explaining whack bat. In oh in uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox yeah yes 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 yeah yeah and he's like man you don't want to have to live up to your dad like he's a whackback champion or whatever <laughs> but it's like the same exact character and the guy looks like that little mm-hmm. I, I don't know even know what it is because it's a white is it a white weasel I I, 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 don't Fox? I don't remember anyway that's not the but movie I had to watch you, today you just you just see all all these little glimpses of things he's interested in earlier on which is pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think about Moonrise Kingdom, too, um, which is like relationships between um, kids and like very confusing uh, age, appropriate or not infatuations, but also like kids relationships with like counselors in Moonrise Kingdom and teachers in this movie, like all. And then what is Jason Schwartzman, one of the counselors in Moonrise Kingdom? He's one of the troop leads, but it's like yeah. a different troop on yes. the island. Yes, yes. So it's it's almost like the reverse. Um, yeah, where where now you know he is in that kind of older role. Um, it's just a. He's got to be the same kid, same universe. It's Max Fisher. As a yeah, yeah. Leader. Yes, uh, which would totally make sense. <laughs> um, and and even Moonlight, or I'm sorry, Grand Budapest Hotel has this kind of uh, um, different kind of relationships across generations and across um uh classes across uh, economic classes and statuses um, right and that's here in rushmore and you see that in like max 
like trying to like Max has this odd relationship with with Herman Bloom. It's not just his infatuation with the first the teacher, but it's right. his weird odd friendship with Bill Murray, and which Successful feels like businessman yeah. who's also like sad about his yes. family. Um, which uh, and then he says, "Eat the rich," basically at the beginning, and Sam's like, "Oh, Max, <laughs> like I like this guy," and Max then lies about his family's his family's background, his dad's occupation in order to seem not quite of the you know class level as this rich Herman Bloom, but still not so poor as like just regular Max Fisher, son of a barber. And right. so he's playing with, you know, the ideas of, of status and all of that. And I, that's, that's very present in a, in a lot of his stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear what you're saying about like the writing is very quick and, mm-hmm. and funny and tight and all these great things, but the way he cuts things too, like yes. one of my favorite lines and the one that me and Matt would just die over and repeat for years is uh, these are OR scrubs. <laughs> oh, are they? <laughs> and it's just perfect and like stupid. And I'd laugh every time. Uh, and, and so like that's just the type of dialogue that I'm, I'm I, I just don't hear in comedy movies for one <laughs> or two. And then um, the first like visual gag that comes to mind is when Bill Murray's kind of forming his infatuation for Miss Cross. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like gonna go to her up to her classroom window, but he like jumps a fence. But he immediately <laughs> just like falls. But the way it's cut is so fast. Yes. And up until then he's not really like a bumbling fool. He's more like a sad fool. Um Yeah. But it, it's just the pace. Yeah. Is is so uh tight. I, I love that you brought and up pace. Funny. It, it's a funny pace. I felt like maybe fifty minutes into this movie I, I thought Oh, this this could end right now, and mm. and and this this feels like like a lesser movie would have told this fifty minute story over two hours, and right. it's gonna end with some catharsis, and it could end right now. And I I I said that like another two times throughout the movie, right? And and kept thinking like uh, I genuinely have no idea what's happening next. Right. And, and that was really refreshing for me. You know, I mean, we were talking about storytelling language, which I think Wes Anderson has developed a very specific storytelling language. And, you know, if you watch a lot of movies, you kind of pick up on structures of screenplays and, and how these things work. I mean, it's, you know, because movies often are, are not trying to reinvent the medium. They're just trying to tell stories. And so... You know, there's a reason why you, you watch a movie and uh, the, a twist is so surprising because it's breaking the norm. Um, right. But often you just kind of, you know, it's it's not all that surprising when the couple gets together or, you know, right. uh, things work out. Um, it's exciting to watch because um, you want to get there, but it's not that surprising. And I kept thinking in this movie, I, I have no idea what's going to happen next. And Right. There's not a traditional ending for... Um, like a, a premise of a 15 year old being into his teacher. No, no, no. And that's, I don't even think is the premise of the movie. Like, well, like as one of the plot lines. Yes. Yes. And I, and it feel it felt like to me that was an overarching plot line that kind of ran through the entire film. But, um, you know, that first 50, 50 minutes or so. And, and then, you know, she quits and he's rejected by her in the classroom. And uh, that, that felt like this very 
um, like that could have been the ending of it. And mm. I, I didn't know what was going to happen next. Um, and then, and then the resolution of it is, you know, his friendship with bloom that then gets destroyed. Like it, it just keeps kind of folding in on itself in these different directions that were always surprising to me. Right. Because then it's the Max and Bloom rivalry. <laughs> right. And and then it's them reconciling because they're both over her. <laughs> like <Right. laughs> Him trying to make a, a new life at this new school. Him reconciling with his sidekick friend. Yes. And the like, movie is a bunch is of layers. Ninety minutes long. <laughs> I know. It's kind of got the ladybird effect. Yes. So much happens in 90 minutes. Yeah, it's funny. When I rewatched it, it did feel like by the end, I was like, that had to be two hours. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was just, I, I was really impressed by the storytelling language and the pace. Loved the the quickness that this, with the, which this movie moved. Yeah. I What... Do you consider this a comedy? Um, yes, but it, but this is the kind of thing where if I saw a movie that was like it, I would say, oh, it's like a Wes Anderson comedy, <laughs> and that right. means something, you know? Isn't that crazy that like th- there's so few directors that you can so instantly recognize as being mm-hmm. oh that director, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, and I think I think you know, to say something like that, oh, it's like a quirky Wes Anderson comedy is often used in maybe um, derivative or condescending right. way. Um, and, you know, the, the tweed and all of that. But no, I thought that's, I, I thought it was great. Well, and and when it's him doing it, it is great. Yeah. And when you think about how difficult it is to one, make a movie, but then two, to carve out your style that a lot of people enjoy and do it consistently and it's and it's so clearly yours yes <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty incredible because oh sorry what, what were you gonna say no go ahead and i'm gonna say a, a favorite I, moment I, I was just gonna say like like when i think about funny movies mm-hmm. one i can't think of many that no. like actively make me laugh and, and like are kind of um playing to like the comedy quote-unquote genre I don't think even this is, but the fact that it is consistently funny, because I'm again, I'm thinking about that era, and I'm even thinking about early 2000s, or even now, really, where I'm like, there's not a lot of like comedies that come out that I really like. Yes, this is mm-hmm. hitting a certain note that works, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like it, it's pretty <laughs> impressive in that way. But I also, I, I would also say. If we're thinking about comedies, comedies maybe since Rushmore of the last 20, 20, 25 years, right? Right. Um, and I'm trying to think of things that are maybe unique or trying something different. Um, one that just came to my mind and, and kind of, I, I think, probably got a lot of comparison. I, I don't know. Um, was Napoleon Dynamite, mm, which right. is a movie that I hate. I think that is uh, just, I hate that movie. And right. I am now mature enough to be able to say that. But there was a time, Mitchell, when everybody loved that movie. Do you, I mean, right. it was insane. We watched it. It, it yeah. was insane, the, like, adoration that immediately emerged for this movie. The uh, quotes. Oh, my gosh. And and I I hated it. The first time I watched it, I watched it a couple times since. And I don't like this movie. 
Um, I, do, I like the scene where he throws the action figure out the window at the beginning. <laughs> just because. And I was like, okay. Like, that's a moment that I like. But the rest of it was... Didn't live up to that, so, to that little so snapshot. I, yeah, so I think... I think Napoleon Dynamite is almost like kind of aping Wes Anderson in some ways. Right. I, I think that's that's probably true, right? Like, it, it feels like a movie that's... I've never made that comparison in my head I haven't before, either. But, but it, as we're talking about it, mm-hmm. like even that snapshot moment. Exactly. Like it's oddity. these It's these moments of, of strangeness, yeah. of, of absurdity that are probably... To, I, I don't know what's purpose. I haven't seen Napoleon Dynamite in a long time, but in Wes Anderson movies, they're effective because they're all about characterization. And, right. And it's like, see, he's a weird guy. It was in Napoleon Dynamite. It's like, it's like yeah. th- that's all it's telling me. Like, okay. Um, where in, in this movie, I love the um, scene. The, I love the opening scene. It's Max in like daydreaming about a geometry class, mm. right? And, right. and I feel like it's so good. It's so good. It's a, such a killer opening to a movie. And it is, it, it's, it's not like, like, so there's this shot of, uh, the teachers explained the, the, this crazy hard math problem or whatever. And then, you know, it no cut, one's been able to solve it yeah. ever. Oh, Max, you want to give it a try? And it cuts to Max, who's reading the newspaper. He's the only kid in a blazer, which is true. He's got tea. He he has tea. He has, like, a little picture of the Eiffel Tower doodled in his notebook. He folds the paper down, right? Like, and then he walks up there and holds his tea while he... First he he says, did someone say my name? (laughs) And he gives it the most, like... Yes. Like then he goes up to the to the blackboard and holds his tea the entire time he solves this problem and it gets you know he gets it right and then cut to him in the chapel, you know, daydreaming this whole thing. But like that's not oh he's a weirdo or it's it tells me so much about this character in right. this tiny little scene. His view of himself. His view of himself. Uh, uh, what he strives towards, um, being the, the, in this his, his kind of fastidiousness about his things and his appearance right. um, is is absolutely you know uh, illustrated in that. I mean, everything, every little detail in that. that as soon as Max comes into the scene, is the telling authority me, figure is kind of bowing to his intelligence. Oh, absolutely, and that's like his deepest desire is to have the authority right. figure to do that, um, and. The fact that he, we learn later, absolutely sucks at math, right. does not stop him from having this daydream. Like that's right. that's the the that's how full of himself he is. He's actually terrible at all of the subjects. at everything. Yes. Yeah. Um, and 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 that tells me so much about this character. But it's also like, oh, this is like a weird, funny, odd scene. But that's not its purpose. Its purpose right. is first and foremost characterization and Wes Anderson does that so well. It moves the movie forward. Another great scene is the pool party, uh, Bill Murray's sons, Bloom's sons pool party. And Bill Murray, and we don't know a lot about this character at this point, right? He's mm-hmm. spoken at chapel. Um, and, and he maybe is interested in Max as a mentee, um, uh, or something odd. Right. And Bill Murray's at this party. And, and basically what we know about him is that he's a, a businessman, very rich, wealthy guy. And he's at this pool party. And what is his, like, he's wearing, like, Budweiser bathing suit, right? So I might have to call call in early and say this is my favorite shot. I think <laughs> this, this, I have two, and this is one of them. Okay. 
the fact that he is like, <laughs> I just feel this scene deeply. And part of why this is a favorite shot is it's quintessential cornerstone uh, uh, crux career Bill Murray oh, yeah. mood. <laughs> deep, deep, deep sadness and deep comedy where he's wearing it is his kids who he hates uh birthday party yep. they're like high schoolers they're so obnoxious yep. his wife is being flirted with, with by another man openly across the pool openly yeah, they're both, they're both staring at him like yeah. you've seen this yes he's smoking he's walking up to a diving board like a tall diving board yeah very tall for a home pool yeah um, wearing Budweiser swimming shorts. It's the Budweiser and, swimming shorts. Yeah, <laughs> he's an old man with like a mustache. Like he's normally very more. He's more stylized mm -hmm. than what you would think when you think Budweiser swim uh -huh. swim trunks. And he's got his whiskey on the top of the diving board and a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just looking around. Everyone's staring at him. No one else is swimming, and it looks cold out. And puts a whiskey down, cigarette still in his mouth, and, and just cannonballs into the pool and has a bit of the graduate type of moment. Dustin Hoffman at the bottom of the pool yeah, looking sad just, or something. What am I doing with my life? Yes. And then in true Wes Anderson fashion, a skinny kid <laughs> with like big goggles swims up to him. And yeah. even in even in the pool, he can't escape. Yes, yes. It is perfection. And, and you take that, again, just kind of... Uh, wrapping up this point that we've been making, but you you take that on its own, and that has the potential to just be oddity, to just be right. strangeness. But no, actually, that's telling you in in very quick detail everything you know you need to know about Bloom for the rest of this movie. He right. the, the details about his relationship with his son, his relationship with his wife, who he is soon oh. to be divorced from. How nice was it? The lack of telling you. Literally, yeah. like the, the facts of yes. his, uh, you know, situation. Uh, there's a scene later where Max meets the wife on the rooftop, and he offers her a tuna sandwich. Um, but but it's or peanut butter and jelly or PB and J decides yeah. tuna. Yeah, I and I was thinking back. I was like, when did uh, I was like, I know that we watched her flirting with the guy at the party, but did they ever talk about it? And I'm like, I don't think they did. And this and, is the first time we hear her say anything. Yes. And I was just so impressed by I knew there's just fully lived in experience and world of this character by him sadly walking across a swimming pool and yeah. doing a cannonball. Yeah. One glance from his oh, wife or yeah. even the, the, the moment I mentioned earlier of him trying to choke his son in the car. <laughs> it's like clearly this guy is not crazy about his kids or his life. No. Or, or his role like in his kid's life yes. where they view they view him as just an idiot. Yes. And so Max can kind of be you know a fill-in son who admires him, you yes. know. Yeah. Um you know and and I and even some of that's present in his very very brief chapel presentation at the very beginning of the movie. I um, love that it's at a chapel too. Yes, it's it's great. It's great. Um, yeah, so I was just, I, I think I'm impressed. I, I, I was impressed by how fully formed this movie felt for early Wes Anderson. Um, and I'm continually really impressed with his visuals, visual storytelling language that is very unique to him. And I think it's very difficult to reproduce. Um, at, at least not in a derivative way. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, like you're, 
it's that you do it purposely for serving your vision mm-hmm. and not just trying to be like Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's a lot out there that's really trying at this point. Right. Um, but it, it it's great. It works here. Part of the ongoing, like, consistent things he's playing with. I, I brought this up before, and I, I've, I've, like, tried to Google it. I haven't seen people talk about it. Have you noticed in his movies the use of the word anyways? Yes. <laughs> it, it's in every single one of his movies. Like, a character will say something. Well, anyways, he, he doesn't he doesn't like to talk much, you know, it's, or whatever. It, he, he uses it as a way of, and it's obvious, often in, a, in kind of opposition to, like, a longer description of something. And then it's like, anyways, right. here's the summary of what I've just said. Right. <laughs> like, in, in Fantastic Mr. Fox, he's yeah, that's what I think about it, yeah. The, the cataracts on her eyes, mm-hmm. like, in long form. Anyway, she doesn't see well. <laughs> it's, it's, like, perfect. <laughs> but I didn't, I, like, even so far back as Rushmore, I'm hearing characters be like, so anyways, uh-huh, uh-huh. this is really what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's like a, a very it's such a little signature of him. Yeah, it's a very funny quirk of the writing because it it it, it I think it is purposely draws attention to whatever rambling just came before it, right? <laughs> In a funny way, right? Yeah, yeah. It, I I just I love it because I it, it's like a um, I don't know writing signature for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't yeah. I can't think of a lot of directors that have something like that. Yeah, like visual visually obviously sure or, or even references to their other work, but. Yeah, having a little line of dialogue that is always repeated. Um, I want to talk about something we talked about him a little bit earlier. Uh, I I want to talk about the Jason Schwartzman performance. I, mm. I, I think the movie only works if this character works, uh, obviously. Right, and that's what Wes was saying that in that interview, and that's why it took eighteen hundred kids to fill that crazy. role. Crazy. He's like, we weren't gonna make it. <laughs> No, no, I don't. You you cannot make this movie unless you have the right kid in this. And and Jason Schwartzman, I looked it up. He was like sixteen or seventeen when they filmed it. Um, Which also I love that because it's not a um, you know twenty something year old playing a high schooler. I thought that for like the first half of the movie, I'm like I feel like he's probably older than what he's playing here, but he's doing such a good job. I really thought like is he just 15? And I looked it up and he was, he was like 16 years old. Yeah. And, and I'm like, the, there is such a, he just feels smaller than everyone else. Like, right. I mean, I, he is a short dude in general, but like, like, I, 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 I kept thinking, hype. I kept thinking they're doing like the Lord of the Rings Hobbit yes. film tricks here to make That's me what I thought feel too. like, yeah, really? Yeah, like oh, one wow. of the first scenes with Bill Murray and the dean of the school. Yes, and they're walking and, after chapel. Yeah, and yeah. Max comes up behind them. I'm like, Bill Murray and the dean must be wearing, like, moon shoes or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's – okay, I'm glad you noticed that. I, I, it must be must be an intentional thing. I, I thought about the scene late in the movie when <laughs> uh, Bill Murray's at the barbershop and Max offers him one of his uh, attendance or punctuality award pins. And, right. you know, so they choose one. <laughs> yeah, they're standing, which is such an odd thing, but they're standing on the curb there, and um, and he just seems like a, like so much shorter than this man. And I'm like, what is going on? They, this guy was 17. He wasn't. He couldn't have been this short. And 
I, I mean, they must have been playing with that, but they do such an incredible job of, uh, it's the performance. I mean, Jason, I don't want to take any credit away from Schwartzman, who is doing such right. an incredible job inhabiting a, I hate to say it, but precocious 15-year-old. Like, that's such an overused term for this kind of character. He's inhabiting Wes Anderson as a kid. Yes. I mean, just yeah. absolutely, he is Max Fisher. and yeah. uh, I mean, you know, it was filmed at his actual high school. Really? Yeah. At like Wes, Anderson's, oh, Wes Anderson's high school, yeah. Yeah, in Texas. It was his oh, real high school. He's wow. like, yeah, we just realized we couldn't f- film it anywhere else. I already had all the shots in mind. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It, it's it's Isn't that interesting? Back-to-back movies, Lady Bird um, filmed right. a, a lot in Sacramento and places where Greta kind of... The, these are like uh, cousins of movies. I, absolutely. And you know what? The beginning of Lady Bird, it... it kind of dips out of this for the rest of the movie but the beginning montage of her in her school the you know mm-hmm. in spanish class and theology class and like chapel right. and the the wide shots of the symmetrical you know chapel you know thing feel even very as rushmore. i was watching it a, a, a week ago felt very wes anderson and very very rushmore right yeah so crazy i didn't even think about the, the chapel side of it too yeah and i think that drops out for the rest of the movie that's a way to get you into ladybird right yeah. totally um but i was just so impressed by the schwarzman performance at the at the center of this um yeah and, it's cool to see him and murray being so much stuff post this movie yeah Together. Oh, and it's crazy. I mean, to be this young kid and your first movie is this, and then you, you get, get basically hang with Bill Murray for a bit, and not just in this movie. I mean, you're making a career of hanging out with Bill Murray on projects. <laughs> I think about that uh, again. It all ties together. Sofia Coppola Christmas special, a very Murray Christmas, mm-hmm. which Schwartzman is in and drums in. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The connections run deep with the Coppola <laughs> And um, how do I get in? And they're both they will both be featured in the French Dispatch. The French Dispatch, by the way, the cast list on this movie oh. is absolutely insane. It's uh, Saoirse Ronan's in it, Francis McDormand's in it, Adrian Brody, he was in Darjeeling Limited, Tilda Swinton is in it. Uh, and he was in Grand Budapest. Uh, Adrian Brody. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, like Owen Wilson is in it. Owen Wilson, who has not like made a lot of movies lately. <laughs> um, I think he's the writing partner on Rushmore too. Yes. Uh, yeah. is that right on Rushmore? I know he's on bottle rock and I thought it was on Rushmore too. Could mm. be wrong. Uh, oh yeah. Owen R- Rushmore written by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson. Wow. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. Love the love all of the partnerships that are yeah. on display in the West. He's Anderson loyal. Verse. Yeah, he's loyal, and and the cast are, is loyal to to him. Yes, and and to me that really speaks to not just the quality of the director, but like the likability or workability of them. Right. Like, I, I I like knowing that this person is not a monster. Uh, I read a thing that George Clooney told him for Grand Budapest, he's like, I just want to be in this so bad. Mm. Just put me in one shot. And he's literally in the gunfight scene where he pops out of a door. Oh, that's with a right. Gun. That's right. And, and he's not in the rest of the movie. <laughs> he just wanted to be in it. And like what actor, especially of his caliber. Oh yeah. Just wants to be in a movie so bad that yeah. like, I'll take just a, you know, one second cameo. <laughs> it's and pretty I, cool. And it's kind of like, 
you know, and I, I, I think about uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and David Fincher also have kind of recurring people that they work with. Right. Um, and, and Fincher kind of gets a bad rap for being very demanding. And right. it's interesting, the actors that want to continue to work with him are the ones that that's what they want. They want the right. 110 takes. <laughs> same, same with PTA. Yes. Where like the type of actor is very intense. It's Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Or um, what's that guy? Philip name? Seymour Hoffman. It, yes. Yes. Who, good God, we need to do a deep dive on on his stuff. Soon yes. Too. Yes. Uh, like it, it's it, you know both of those are are and and. And they've been criticized and kind of the the reckoning in Hollywood with um, what is appropriate behavior and not just not just in terms of the Me Too movement, but in terms of, um, you know, just kind of that really aggressive, controlling auteur. The Kubrick effect. Yeah. And and I think both those guys have come out OK and, and they've received criticism and it's probably fair. Um, and But a lot of defenders and they, you know, what what the defense often is, is, yeah, they're they're intense but they don't cross a line um and my feeling with wes anderson i have no idea i have nothing to back this up but it just feels like a very nice joyful experience to be on this set right just (laughs) endlessly pleasant a lot of tea but pleasant yes (laughs) like pleasant cozy fun okay other stuff you want to talk about with rushmore um i think we i think we nailed most of it yeah i I think mainly i think it's just a great intro to Wes because it's not I think because it's what you were saying it's not so stylized mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. Um, that and I, I'd not say that his you know overly him style movies sure. are, are bad but it's just cool seeing that that earlier phase Sim- similar to Quentin yes yeah uh, it's it's like it's kind of shaggy Wes Anderson but that doesn't mean it's not like nearly perfect right it's just a different type of thing yeah it, it it's so impressive to me to see this guy his second movie and he knows exactly who he is and, right. and good for him and that's a i saw an interview with bill murray when he read the script it was like oh this guy knows what he's you can tell this guy knows exactly what he wants and what he's doing yes it's yeah. like wow yeah for your second movie yeah uh, I mean, just everything, everything. I loved, um, I loved the, the framing structure of the months of the year and the curtains in the school year. And, yep. um, I, I loved the way that I love, I love the, the way he creates contrast. And I want to, I want to point this out as a, like a really, this is a really mature move of Wes Anderson. Cause you know, again, we've talked so much about his style and how that often gets put into every shot and scene of a movie. And what he does really well in Rushmore is there are scenes that takes place take place at Grover Cleveland High School, the public school, and they're just not Wes Anderson scenes. Right. They are gross public school scenes. Right. <laughs> you know, and he really holds back. You can see him holding back. I mean, yeah, and even in those, it's like the palette will be like white and black and gray. Yes. Like he'll, he'll have that restrained palette, like even in what the kids are wearing. Yeah. But it's not the cozy golden oranges. No, yeah. He he still figures out how to do his visual style in the midst of it. So it's lo- yeah. like wide shots, you know, symmetrical stuff and all of that. But it's 
it's he's holding back so much of that kind of the creative earmarks of Wes Anderson. And even right. I love that scene we mentioned earlier where he meets the, the Bloom's wife up on the roof and uh, and it's like a gross parking garage or something. And then you pan yeah. over to Max has this whole little setup on the corner with like a <laughs> donut like box. A pink, and, yeah, pink donut box, <laughs> apple juice. And, what would you like? <laughs> and the and the sandwiches, not just sandwiches, but they're wrapped in butcher paper and tied with twine. For and there's sake. an option. There's, <laughs> there's an option. Like and he apologizes for <laughs> you know that and not being so fancy. <laughs> it's like what <laughs> for this rooftop meeting of exposing your husband. And it's like and it's just so playful and it's so Wes Wes Anderson bringing in that style and and I'm true to this character of Max into a setting that is so opposite of this and and i think he does that too in the barbershop scenes um where that feels like a very lived in real barbershop that Mm -hmm. his dad runs right um and it feels so different from the scenes in rushmore the school itself right Um, and it works really well yeah the barbershop isn't as perfectly like laid out as a fantastic Mr. Fox scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's always funny to me. Like, I feel like Instagram or, or, you know, Visco Mm -hmm. has, uh, adopted Wes Anderson as a, um, aesthetic to try to recreate. And it's so funny to me when that gets a bad rap or, or like an ironically bad rap. Like, Oh, it's so Wes Anderson of you to like, it's like, man to have your own to be an artist with your own style in 2021 is such a feat like uh, the more you try to do things in life like start a podcast or Mm -hmm. you know start a youtube channel or or make a movie or whatever it's like you realize man this stuff is actually pretty it's hard to do it well yeah and so it really makes you appreciate like i know for me having after had started this podcast listening to a comedian do a podcast where they just rant for an hour by themselves and it's really funny like really funny endlessly entertaining i'm like that is such an unbelievable skill that people do not appreciate a hundred percent i don't same thing with movies where i'm like golly realizing how much work and how freaking hard this is and the audacity for people to be like eh, this one's kind of sucks i'm it's so- like yeah i know i'm really excited for next week's movie uh, okay <laughs> well i mean let's uh yeah what we, closing thoughts and then we can move on to our segments closing thoughts uh what was your what was your overall experience did was this a good staff pick oh this was great it was great it's 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 one of those where like Rushmore theoretically has been on my list, my watch list for a long time. Right. Uh, you know, it, it not for any reason that I like, Oh, I don't like Wes Anderson. I, I don't respond to this stuff. Um, I actually really, I, I, I said, I'm really excited to go through his catalog. I, it was probably because I was watching Rushmore and I realized like, Oh, Oh, that like the weird, like slight emotional distance that everything has, but also like still <laughs> right. like dealing with our feelings is so is me. me. <laughs> um, and, and then like using all of these defense mechanisms of like humor and, 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 uh, you know, style, the characters do this, like yeah. to, to defend themselves against kind of entering in is like, Oh, I, like personal that quirks that help personal quirks. Them. Yes. Personal affectations yeah. and all of that. It's like, Oh, this is like me or at least like a weird idealized version of myself. Right. Um, 
And so I just, I, I really, um, I really responded to that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I really loved the relationship between him and the Bill Murray character. I thought that was just right. really fun and very fleshed out and, and, and the, the, the kind of different, very different, but also just kind of the, the, um, the ground they cover in this movie in that relationship, I, I thought was, was really impressive. And, and by the end when they're like, for whatever reason, training, like doing physical exercise training in Bloom's factory, <laughs> right. building an aquarium together. It, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's ridiculous, you, but I'm like, like absolutely right. rooting for them. You're like, I accept. Yes. Uh, and then, and then of course that all of that culminating in this absolutely bonkers Vietnam play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another Coppola reference. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, it has to be right. Oh, I, I think so. I mean, Some it's, darkness. It, it's definitely, yeah. Cause the movie's called the, the play is called what heaven and hell or something. And, oh my God. and, um, you know, I, I, and it's very, very uh, uh, evocative of Apocalypse Now as a as a film, as a piece of culture, as like the right. way that people, especially in the 90s, thought about Vietnam was like often through that movie. Um, <laughs> the ending, Will You Marry Me? <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. To Mrs. Yang. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. Um, yeah. Margaret. Margaret Yang. Um, so I don't know. I, I really liked the movie. I really responded to it. It was, it was nice. Like, and I mean that, yeah, I think sometimes we say, oh, that movie was nice. And it, and it's kind of just like this, right. this was nice. And I loved that it was nice. It's just fun to put on. Yeah. It was it's so pleasant. Com- it's, it's not a come and see. Yeah. Oh, does everything have to be so intense? And then also how fun is it to have like a catalog to like be excited to go yeah, through? Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. segments. Yeah, let's move on to our segments. Mitchell, you mentioned we, we always start with favorite shots. You mentioned right. one of your favorite shots, which is Bill Murray at the pool. Right. And so that's one. And then the, I had another. I, I had a couple that I can mention, but yeah, they were yeah, kind yeah. of fail safes in case you claim the Murray pool one. No. So hit me, hit me with yours. Okay, I'll, I have two that I'm going to talk about. The first one is in the first scene. It's the geometry daydream scene, and mm. it is the overhead shot of Max's desk with the teacup, mm. the calculator, the calculator, the uh, Eiffel Stocks Tower. Page. Yeah, yes, the, the newspaper perfectly folded, and then the Eiffel Tower doodle. And for me, I I loved it because of the reasons I've already said. It tells me so much about this character, right? And it was okay, this is a Wes Anderson movie and here is this, like this perfectly composed, I mean, it, it really is like the modern day Instagram, like, oh, study time. You take an right. overhead shot of your like the, desk and laptop setup. He invented top-down food pictures. Yes. Um, I love that shot. I, I, I just, it, it brought me a smile and, um, and, and again, it's serving a meaningful purpose in the movie. And and that's right. that's why I I, uh, I it's I really not just a beautiful it. Wes Anderson. Shot. Yes, yes, yeah. So then, what was your what was your second? My other favorite shot is the last shot in the movie. It's the like weird inside of a high school gym 
after party dance of the Vietnam play. And, you know, Max, he was dancing with his now girlfriend, um, Margaret Yang, uh, who he's met at the new school. Bill Murray cuts in. Bill's dancing with her, which leaves Max to dance with the the teacher that was his love interest, Rosemary Cross. And and then the camera just slowly uh, is like this dolly shot backing out uh, from the two of them in the center. And then you just see all of these characters that we've known from the movie, like come into frame and right. like, and, and in like unexpected characters, like the, the Dean of Rushmore shows up and his dad, the barber, is there, and the the high school teacher what? from the public school is there. Right. Uh, you know, it's funny that one kid that is in a ton of moments in this movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. He's not. He's not his sidekick friend, but it's a different kid. Yes. But he keeps showing up. Yes. Like all, I think he's the kid swimming in the pool. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. He, and he, he's in that shot. And he's in that shot. And he's such a, <laughs> and I just love like, it because it's like this great like filling of the frame, like. It just wild, you know, end to this. Like the the dean of Rushmore shows up in a wheelchair because he's had a stroke and he's being pushed by Dirk, Max's sidekick for the rest of the movie. Like none of these characters should be here together, yet here they are. Uh, And Max is finally getting this moment to dance with Rosemary Cross and there's it feels like there's a sweetness to it because there's the stakes are gone that's not a relationship he's trying to pursue and right it it's just like this nice pleasant happy ending um right and and for a movie that really went to some sad places i mean the bill mary stuff is very sad even the stuff with mrs miss cross with you know her husband has died like right and and even like the the way that max kind of treats her with that um, there's a lot of sadness in the movie, but uh, just a very uplifting final shot. I loved it. It's funny. He likes to end his movies with people dancing. Fantasmus Fox, they're mm-hmm. dancing in the supermarket. Yep, yep. yep. I love that. The signature. Um, cool. Well, my other favorite was um, it's kind of the peak uh, revenge moment mm. or in his re- peak revenge phase on both Bill Murray and Rushmore mm-hmm. School. But he's setting fire to something. I don't know what it is, but it's um, he's saying something aflame outside the dean or headmaster's mm-hmm. office. Next to like um, a bench. Yeah, yep. it's next to a bench. He's smoking a cigarette mm-hmm. and he's just staring at it. And then it cuts to the dean who's like in a window and it's oh, like yeah. Wes Anderson Cemetery just like looking at him like, what yes. are you doing? He's not even mad. He's just like, what are you doing? And then it cuts yes. back to Max and he's like looking at fire and he looks at the dean and he flips him off. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those just another like so quaint, funny, yeah, not serious, but like like I I, I don't know how to describe the sense of humor sometimes with Wes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's like that similar thing of like you you're out, and it's so <laughs> it's so obvious. But can, can yeah. I tell you that moment? You describing that and, and kind of your reaction to it reminded me of one of my favorite other favorite moments of the whole movie. I don't, it's Max has been expelled. He's back on Rushmore's campus, and Dirk, his little sidekick, has found out that Max was like saying things about his mom. And right. so like Max walks onto the quad, and then there's noises, and like this crew of like fourth graders led by Dirk come out and like 
like wizard costumes and throw rocks at Max. <laughs> right. And I'm like, what is happening? There's... Well, they all come out in like different costumes. <laughs> yeah, yes, different costumes. Like one of them is wearing like the Mickey like Mouse, the Mickey Mouse co- costume from Fantasia. One of them is wearing a like a goblin's costume. And this is what I wanted to say about it is Wes Anderson sometimes his his movies and there are moments where what's happening is so outlandish and so mm-hmm. over the top which is much of the max character max buying dynamite for his vietnam production right right but this was just like fifth graders like grabbing whatever masks and costumes they had lying around and picking up rocks to throw at max like now's our time and it's like oh the, like not that this would happen but this could happen <laughs> and it was right. just ridiculous and i just i just loved it I, that one had that that whole scene had me like laughing out loud <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There, there's a there's a strangeness to it, but it's never for no reason. Yes, and and it's it fits in with the strangeness of so much of the movie, but in a different way. And and like this is not over the top. This is like kids in masks throwing rocks. Yeah, it's like we have friends who who their kids wear um, like you know superhero costumes all the time or pirate costumes. Yeah, and it's just like that's just what they wear as natural yes. to them. Yes. So it's like it doesn't feel weird that these like fifth graders are like, yes, I'm in a wizard outfit and I'm throwing yep. rocks at you. Yep. But loved it. Okay. Cool. Uh, cool. Your letterbox review. You know what? I'm gonna be generous. I'm trying to be more generous in my life, and I'm yeah. trying to like what I like. So I'm giving this four and a half stars. Nice. I was gonna give four, but you know, I was like, screw that. Like, what? I mean, this is Wes Anderson we're talking about. Come on, like on the grand scale of movies, how often do? I, how many do I have repeat? Can I go back to that? I don't need to justify my score, okay, listeners. I'm giving it four and a half. <laughs> um. I gave it four stars. I don't. I don't know. I couldn't tell you why it's not four and a half. Um, I can tell you that why it's not five. That extra half is is the history. Yes. For me. Yeah. I think it's four yeah. stars. I think this is like um, bottom of the upper tier Wes Anderson stuff that I've seen. So to be fair, um, yeah. I I it to me like Grand Budapest is um, is just so good. Like that's top tier. Like technic technically speaking. Um, mm-hmm. and fantastic Mr. Fox is like top, top, top tier right. Wes Anderson. So, uh, I think Rushmore is right below it. Um, yeah, but I loved it. Four stars out of five. It's great. Come on. Yeah, that's it. Well, we've come to the moment that I've been waiting for this whole episode. Okay. I'm, I'm really excited. I have a, I have a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven possibilities here. Um, <laughs> oh, good lord! Uh, again, viewers, because Oscar season has wound down a bit, and the father is still twenty dollars to rent. Uh, we we and we refuse to watch Trial of the Chicago Seven. At least I do. Uh, we are playing staff picks here. So again, this week, Matthew watched Rushmore. He had not seen it. It was my recommendation. And now I get his recommendation for hopefully a movie I've never seen. Uh, okay. So if you've seen this, um, then we, we are on. Then we're going to move on. I really struggle with this. seven backups. I, I have a bunch of backups. And I'm like, okay, one of them is like uh, foreign language, which is like the bottom of my list. Um, you, you suggest I'm like, uh, <laughs> I haven't wanted to. No, so. Uh, I was just really, really trying. I, I like toyed with, oh, should we watch some like 
late stage MCU movie that you've never seen. Oh God, no! <laughs> like, like not Endgame, but I thought about like, oh, maybe like Thor Ragnarok. That's a movie I like that Mitchell probably hasn't seen that has some style. Uh, but that's not a movie that I love. Uh, like, right, you know, right. We want staff picks. I want this to be something that like very specific to me. And I was like, oh, it's got to be classic. It's I, I, I don't know, you know, whatever. And I went off of your letterboxed, but I don't, Uh-oh. I don't know how well that is representative of what you've seen, how cataloged everything is. So this is a movie from a few years ago. Um, this is Uh-oh. recent. This is a recent pick. Uh, let me pull it up here. So will we just will we cut this if I've seen it? Yeah. Um, have you ever seen Aliens? The sequel? Yeah. No, I have not. <laughs> Do you want to watch Aliens this week? I'm down to watch Aliens. Okay, I had a different. I have a different. I had a different movie in second position, but uh, I'm just looking at my list, and I, you know what? Uh, okay, listeners, we're gonna cut everything we just heard, but I'm gonna tell you, my top choice was Mad Max Fury Road from 2015. Mitchell has already seen it, and I think he should go back and rewatch it because it's amazing. But what I wanted to pick, and the reason Mad Max kind of rose to the top for me, was um, I really love the kind of action filmmaking that is on display in Fury Road. Like practical Mm. effects, over the top, this kind of experience can only happen when you're watching a movie. And, And so, which is also why Aliens... James Cameron's, yeah, James Cameron's Aliens, the sequel to the the first one. Alien. A- Alien. Uh, to me, is such an important movie to me because it was one that I saw pretty young, high school, college, and it's like a perfect action movie for me. And I just love this movie. And it's so, but but it's not just a dumb action movie. Like, there's such substance to the filmmaking of it. I'm pumped. Okay. I... Because I loved Alien, which I didn't see. I, I was a late late bloomer to that movie. I think I saw that in, like in college five or six years ago. And I adored that movie. And it actually really surprised me how much I liked it. Or not how much I liked it, but stylistically it surprised me. Yes. Because I had all these, you know, 20 years of expectation for mm-hmm. that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've heard that the sequel is some people think better. Some people say just as good. But it's like also really, really different. Yeah, it's it's very it's very different, and that's why I think they're really hard to compare. Um, Because Alien is this kind of creeping horror, you know, right haunted house. If it was on an entire well, it's a haunted house of the ship, basically. The Metroid fusion, yes, yes. Um, just a very creepy. And then Aliens is this all-out action you know, kind of thing. And so they're totally different movies. I love them both. They are incredible. Aliens, by the way, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I feel like whenever they're like talked about together, they're they're revered equally, but for different reasons. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like absolute amazing directors. Alien is this Ridley Scott movie. Aliens is this early, early, it's it's crazy that James Cameron made this movie, right? Um, well, and so to be clear, should if listeners are following along, should they watch Alien up front? Uh, I you if you want to, you can. But I also understand like Alien is the more kind of gross, gro- like 
little more gross and a little darker, moody, scary kind of thing. Aliens is your fun action movie. Uh, they're both streaming for free on Amazon Prime. Heck yeah, which yeah. we I cannot say for Rushmore. Yes, um, yeah. So they are all it, uh, the um, actually Alien and Alien Three, which is fine, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so these movies are streaming on Amazon Prime for free. Um, so, okay, yeah. cool. Aliens next week. Aliens. I'm, I'm I have in. an excuse. I love an excuse to watch a movie. Oh, my gosh. Me too. Yeah, that I, is I, how I felt about this week watching Rushmore. Yeah, you need, you need like, because you have your list of stuff that you need to get to. Yes. But then to have someone be like, go do this. It's, you're if, like, okay. I, I feel like this every year after the Oscars, I feel a little directionless in what I'm mm. watching. Like, okay, I've done all of the... I've cut, cut, covered the things. I've watched all the documentaries I'm interested. I'm the best, you know, the foreign language stuff. And then after the Oscars, it's like, all right, now what do I watch? Where, where are my gaps? Yeah. Um, okay. Next week, we'll be watching Aliens. Aliens. Mitchell, in the meantime, where can they find us? Uh, check us out on Instagram at Movies While They Sleep. We are also on Twitter, but not really. Um, we, will, we will be more... Maybe down the road, yeah. if, if the algorithm recognizes our our, our craft, yeah, that's right for the ri- for the written word. Anyway, Instagram at movies while they sleep, uh, and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us a ton. Yes, and you can. But we're we're streaming everywhere: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and um, share the yeah. podcast with your friends this week. Uh, share that Ladybird episode. That was a fun one. That that is one of my faves, and again, a hall of fame of the pod. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, we will be back next week with Aliens. Good night, y'all. Bye, Herman Bloom. Herman.